Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Hey guys, and welcome to a, another Pickled Parables podcast. That's a lot of peas. <laughs> and uh, my name is Alex. And I'm Noah. Yeah, and we are just excited to you guys uh, to talk about the spark of evangelism. And I'm going to be kind of reaching more of the, the heart is where I'm kind of directing towards. And Noah is going to be a lot more of the head knowledge. So Exegetical. There you go. See, see, he's got the words. So um, just one thing that we wanted to talk about before is that we should keep your Bible handy as uh, we're just going to try and spit fire these, knowing that it's a podcast and you guys can just pause it. And uh, so let's get into our first section, our part one, which is the uh, what is evangelism and why? Absolutely. So I'm going to take it from here. And so as far as defining terms, that's really where we're going to start. Because when people think of evangelism, I mean, they probably think of the Great Commission or something along those lines. And so we're really going to like define it like what it is. Um, And maybe they'll think of the gospel. But anyway, so the first things first, so going back to Old Testament, because that's where everything starts, is this Hebrew term called basar. And so for you concordance Greeks... Concordance geeks, that was funny, but it's going to be 1319 in the strongest concordance. And so it's found in uh, one of the passages that comes to mind is Isaiah 52 7. And so we see these glad tidings from God where Isaiah writes, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes, keyword, salvation who says to Zion, your God reigns. And so it's from God, directly from God is the idea. So typically through prophets, if you're talking Old Testament, um, as in Isaiah here. And so now we'll get into the Greek, New Testament. So the first word that comes to mind is Strong's 2098, uh, which is euangelion, which is typically the word that people think of most. It's the word, uh, the Greek word used in the Great Commission etc. And so it's used 76 times as the most common one as far as evangelism goes. And it's the good news of the coming Messiah specifically. So specifically tied to Jesus. And so it expresses the giver who is God, God the Father, and then the subject, which is the Messiah. In, in most cases it's used. And sometimes the human transmitter, which is the, the apostle. So like obviously whoever's writing about it. The next one is Yuan. Yeah, say that five times. And it's an evangelist, uh, a missionary, a bearer of good tidings. And so um, what Paul talks about, uh, Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4.11, if you want to look that up. I'm not going to get into it now for purposes of time. But the final one is euangelizo which is Strong's 2097, and it's used 54 times. And the definition is to announce good news, so bringing good news, good tidings, um, expressing either the persons who receive the good news or the good news itself. 
And so that's kind of the baseline definitions for more of you wordy people out there who want it verbatim. Yeah. So what I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is what evangelism isn't. Because sometimes, I mean, we all kind of know what evangelism is, right? I mean, it's a word that is core to Christian culture. But what isn't it? So one thing it isn't is that it is not an exercise we use to make ourselves better than other people, right? It's not something that we use as a bragging right. It's not something that makes us better than other Christians. It's something that comes out of a heart, right? A motivation from Christ. Absolutely. And it's not a only one-way endeavor, as in there are multiple ways to evangelize. A lot of people just typically think of like, oh, preachers, keyword preachers, right, going out and hitting the streets and talking to random people until their feet hurt. Um, That's not necessarily the only way, even though Alex and I primarily do that, that's not the only way to evangelize. Right. Evangelism is, is much broader than just that. Um, evangelism is not just for one group, right? So you have preachers and you have the leaders of the church. Those are still people that evangelize, but it's for every day. It's for everybody. Uh, evangelism is, is much bigger than one person. It's much bigger than a group of people. It's for the whole body. It's something, it's kind of like the word love, right? You have this word love, which you can love a pizza, but you can also love your wife. Obviously, there's multiple different forms of it, and that's kind of what we're trying to breathe out a little bit in evangelism. And we'll get into this more a little later on, but it's something that everybody can participate in, whether you're supporting it or being actively involved, like going out and, and doing it. Yeah, and so one of the things that evangelism isn't just about like that that warm and fuzzy feeling you're like oh i'm going out i've talked to people i felt the spirit today i know hallelujah (laughs) you know it's it's more than that it's about building relationships it's about the person it's about planting those seeds absolutely and it is not a cure-all like as in if just because i evangelized 20 times on monday and 50 times each day the rest of the week, I'm, oh, I'm saved now. No, it, that's not the point. And first of all, it's not why you should be doing it, just to get a check mark in heaven. Because the idea, like Alex said, is relational. But it's not just with relational horizontally with other people. It's with vertical. It's with Jesus. Because he is why we evangelize. Like, mm-hmm. if you love the person you love the most, think about that person. You want to do good things for them, right? You don't want to do bad things. You don't mm-hmm. want to hurt them. But you want to talk about them. Like, as in, especially your girlfriend, boyfriend, like, fiance, spouse, like, you can't stop talking about them, you know what I mean? And that's what it is with Jesus. Like, I can't stop talking about him. I can't stop wanting to do things for him. Yeah, and I really like that. I really like the the effortlessness, in a sense. I mean, there's effort that goes into conversations and stuff, but there's a, there's a sense of how, you know, like, a guy trying to, to walk with a river, right? Like, let's say the river is about, uh, up to his waist. And so he's trying to walk down this river and the river is pushing him in the right direction, right? So he's trying to go down with the river. So there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of the Holy Spirit pushing you, but I feel like a lot of people are trying to walk upon their own power. And we're, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in depth, 
But this own power reminds me a lot of legalism. And that is one of the things that evangelism is not. It is not legalistic. Well, Alex, what is legalism? Ah, legalism. So if you really want to know about legalism, you should read Galatians. The whole book. (laughs) Paul goes into great detail. I'm just going to touch on it a little bit. But basically, legalism is when, you know, like the Pharisees, right? So the most harmful words that Jesus had was against the Pharisees. Why? Because they obeyed the law, but they didn't know God. And that, I mean, that's like crucial. They obeyed the law, but they didn't know God. That is the heart of legalism, is when you obey what God is saying, so you go out and you evangelize by your own power. You're like, let's do this, right? But you don't know God. And that is burnout. So legalism can be spiritually harmful, Striking a balance between um, this, you know, this this concept of your own power, right? So we're putting ourselves into it, but then we're also allowing Jesus to work. I think a really great passage is James two eighteen through twenty six. So in this verse, we encounter he says, "You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my works by my faith." I think I said that backwards. I apologize. But James emphasizes that faith is useless without works. And so you're like, okay, well, legalism is starting to sound pretty good, right? Right? Like I've got to do works. That's how my faith is shown. But then you also have Jesus who states in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abide in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Say that Say that last part again, one more time. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. <laughs> I mean, okay, so that, right, I, I like, I, I'm like, okay, so how do, we, how do we pull those two things together? So what evangelism or legalism in evangelism is, right, was when we're trying to go without God. So we want to go with God. And that kind of gets into the, you know, like this question of why. And so the last, the last part here too. So when we're talking genuine faith, so it's, it's word and deed. And we're going to get into this in the why fully, but it's part of word and deed. It's not just word and it's not just deed. And I think that's what James was talking about, right? Like show me your faith without works, um, because, like, faith without works is dead. Like, it's not really genuine faith if there's no works. Even Paul says the same thing. Romans 7, 4, right? You were saved by Christ, by grace through faith, in order that you might bear what? Fruit. I mean, works, fruit, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you got to, in Colossians three seventeen, whatever you do in word or in deed, hits them both, make sure you do everything for the glory of God. And that's the idea of it, you know, it's, it's the same thing that I mentioned earlier. You, when you love somebody, you don't just shut up and never talk about them. In fact, the more you fall in love, the more you can't stop talking about it Mm. and doing it also, like as in you want to do good things for them and you want to talk about them because you love them. You're falling hard. It's an intimate pursuit. So would you say that the great commission, right? This, you know, really broad um, 
kind of command that Jesus leaves us, do you, would you say that was just for the 12 disciples? So, and, that, and that's the big question. And, and even if it's not just, okay, we'll get past, maybe it's not just for the 12 disciples, but what if it's just for pastors and church leaders? Like, is it just for the average congregation member like myself? Uh, you, somebody might be asking. And I would argue this. And, and so, so again, the question, is it the command for the church at large or individual believers? And so first of all, he was writing, uh, Jesus was talking to the 11 because it was after he had resurrected and Judas... Uh, Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was no longer there. But uh, anyway, so he's talking to the 11 disciples, right? And But he says this, he says these key words that uh, Pastor John Piper really hits on in his a uh, little sermon on uh, the Great Commission, is I will be with you always to the end of the age, in verse 20. And this end of the age, in, in the Greek here, it, it means forever, this age word. It means forever, until Jesus comes back again, like is in the second coming when he brings us forever into his heavenly kingdom. And so that's not just the apostles. It, it can't be. Obviously, they're they're dead and gone and with Jesus. But like, it's us. It's everybody past them and until Jesus comes back. And so that is a responsibility to us, not necessarily just church leaders and pastors, um, but it is for everybody to participate in. And John Piper talks about, you know, whether you're supporting it. So again, Paul was supported in Romans 15. It said he was going to Spain, right? But he asked for support from the Roman church and he was supported by the fellow believers there monetarily with their prayers, right? You can pray, um, you can worship together for and just cry out to Jesus for those uh, people that are ministering overseas like Paul was. And so that's the thing right there is it's a it's a cooperative event. Um, and it's also a local event. And so uh, like First Peter 2.9, I've called you a royal priesthood. That's what G, uh, Peter says about everybody, Gentile and Jew alike, that once they've accepted Jesus, you are a royal priesthood and you are commissioned in that sense, because if everybody's a royal priesthood, it doesn't matter if Alex is the lead pastor of Elevation Church, or I mean, it doesn't matter. And I'm a person at the lowest of the low, I just, just came candidate. to church, right? You know, like, <laughs> but if I've accepted Jesus and he's accepted Jesus, then we're on, we're, the Great Commission is for both of us. And so uh, John ten fifteen gets into also like it's for Gentiles and Jews alike, so non-Jews and, and Jews alike. Uh, and it says the sheep will listen through human voices that God will speak through. That's like paraphrasing essentially what Jesus is saying. Um, but that's what he says when he talks about being the gate and being the shepherd. And also when Jesus prays for the disciples in John seventeen twenty, he's requesting from the heavenly father, his heavenly father, that he speak through his emissaries which is uh, emissaries is like an ambassador, essentially. And we are his ambassadors, not just the disciples, but it's everybody who would come after them, carrying the message, carrying the gospel with the sandals of the gospel of peace, as Paul says in uh, Ephesians 6. And so that's really, I think, getting into more of the why is because if you're thinking of the Great Commission, which most of you are, then it is for everybody, um, locally, uh, internationally, uh, in your neighborhoods. Um, it's everywhere that you can share the gospel verbally, which last time I checked, it's it's a pretty good country for doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And the freedoms we have is always incredible and something we take for granted. Well, and here's the thing. You even know the same language. 
Absolutely. (laughs) That is very, very helpful. So, I mean, we're talking about this, right? But one of the things I kind of want to do is I want to take a step back. And I want to look at God. Because that's really how we formulate all of our, how we should filter everything through. It's through God. So, I kind of sat here and I asked myself, like, what's God's desires? Isn't that the essence of evangelism, right? It's crucial to comprehend God's desires. God wants us to evangelize, right? He makes that very clear, right? Nobody's arguing that fact. But it's interesting to me because when we, evangelism comes from, it comes from our relationship with Jesus, right? Like Jesus said it very well when he was talking to the woman at the well, when he said that it's a flow, it comes out of you, right? It comes from within, it bubbles up. And so one of the things I just want to take a look at is how much Jesus throughout time has sought relentlessly after you. His longing for personal relationship has always been prevalent, right? Even all the way back at Genesis 3, 8, it says that God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just, I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things of scripture. So God is just chilling, right? He's coming to talk with Adam and Eve. And when you look even all the way at the very end of the Bible, right? In Revelations 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And one of the things I love the NLT, um, I gave you the ESV, but the NLT says, and we will share a meal together as friends. So I was thinking about this. I was like, man, what's, what would I say the most crucial evangelistic God's desires, like what, what kind of, what scripture throws all of that into one pot? And I found myself settling on Luke 15, 11 through 32, the parable of the prodigal son, right? And I love this so much because it shows the father's heart. He wants us to come back, right? He's waiting for us to come back. It says, which remember in this culture, Fathers didn't run, right? They they walked. <laughs> it was, you know, very uh, tribalistic kind of in a sense. So it says that the scholar fought, saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. If that's not the analogy of God with all of us, right? That's God's desire. So when we understand God's desire that he wants everyone. It's not just, you know, it's not just you, Noah. It's not just me. It's everyone. He's calling and he's like, he's pulling, like he's doing everything that he can, but it's always us that has to choose it. Absolutely. And that, so that's Luke 15 is is one of those passages. If you want to, you know, follow along, I guess, or pause it and read that together if you're with other people. But like something that was interesting. So Alex said, the father says the prodigal son, the father ran to meet the son after he, and this son wild out, he partied, he gambled, he gave all his money, his inheritance money, which is his father's money, he gave it all away. And he comes back and you know what he comes back? He came, comes back walking. The son comes walking full of shame, regret, probably Pig anxiety. poop on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pig poop. I mean, you name it. And so 
this song the other day reminded me that I, and I looked in the passage, sure enough, it says the father came running and the son was walking. Mm-hmm. And it just like, obviously there's more Come to the song on. than that, but like, it's just astounded me because I was like, we walk so often, but God runs after us. Like he runs to us. Yeah. And so one of the things that like really, I just, almost every time that I find myself talking about God, I just always go back to the Trinity. If there was one thing that you really were like, oh, I just want to learn how to defend my faith, learn how to defend the Trinity, right? Read up on the Trinity, learn about it because it is the number one thing that is attacked when it comes to it. In a nutshell, what is the Trinity and what does it have to do with evangelism? So the Trinity is three distinct persons in a single being, right? And you're like, okay, well, that's kind of weird, right? How can you be three persons in one being? Now, uh, Nabil Qureshi does a absolutely beautiful um, explanation of this. And I won't try to butcher what he said. Um, I'll just give you like a really brief version of it, which is that you are a, you are one in one human, right? And you also have one person, which is Noah, right? You are Noah daily. That's your person, but you also are a human being. So God is a unique being in the sense that he has three persons in one being. So he is God. That's his being. And he has three persons, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three existed with each other. And still do. And still do. And they are in perfect harmony. They have always been, and they will always continue to be. And that's the heart of evangelism, is the Trinity. God, Jesus kind of left, came down to heaven, and then brings us into the fold. Yeah, sorry. Came down to earth <laughs> and then brings us into the fold. He brings us into relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. And so this is evangelism, right? It's like what you were saying, Noah. It's the Father chasing after us. Because he uses his people, too, mm-hmm. hence, right, to, to share the good news, uh, usually audibly, but also through your actions, right? He uses his people to show how much he is running after each and every person he created in his image. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you might be thinking, okay, Alex, Noah, I get it. I get it. God wants me to evangelize. But I'm not feeling it. You know, I think about it and I see my coworker and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So, Noah, how do we formulate a passion for evangelism? And, you know, how do we bring that out in other people? Well, so, so yeah, so we've, we've talked about the what and the why. But let's, let's more get into the how. And, you know, some questions you might be thinking of, right? How do we align? How do I align my heart with his? Like, okay, if his heart's for evangelism, if he's, if he's running after people, how do I get my heart aligned with that? Like, what the heck? Like, where do I start even? Because I, I can barely get motivated to read one Bible verse uh, a week. You know what I mean? Like, um, so secondly, another question you might ask is how do we bring it out in others? Like, how do I evoke 
uh, some type of response or a good response. So I'm just going to hit that second question, honestly, just really briefly. We might come back to it. But the thing to keep in mind, one of the key things, and shame off anybody who's really had a lot of shame about this, is you can't bring anybody to salvation. Mm. Jesus is the Savior, not you, not me, not Alex, not anybody. It's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is responsible for the growth. That's what it says in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 3. You got planters and waterers and sometimes both, but the Holy Spirit is responsible for the growth. And so don't have that shame on you. Don't have that weight on you. Don't have that anxiety on you. And if they reject you, if somebody rejects you, whether it be work, on the street, um, somebody who came to church um, and doesn't know Jesus yet, shame off you. Just take it, take the weight off. It's Jesus who's bringing the salvation. He's going to use you and give you the words when the time's right. We'll come back to that, though. So the next step here, so, so service. So one of the main things is, is service. So this would go into acts, right? So, so works uh, so, or deeds, right? Word and deed. And so it stems from our connection with him. So again, if you don't have the genuine faith, that's the first part. There's not, you know, there's not really a good connection. It's like the Wi-Fi, right? Like the further away you get, the worse connection you're going to have. I think that's a really good analogy, actually. But you've got to be right next to the router. And in fact, you should really be plugged in if you want the best bandwidth possible. Mm-hmm. So we got to be plugged in to our Savior 24-7, 365. And it's really hard. It is hard to follow Jesus, but it's so worth it. Um, and service overflows, works overflow from our connection, our being plugged in to the Savior. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we go back to that, uh, that passage in James that we were talking about earlier, and he says, you know, show me faith without works, right? And he's like, faith without works is dead. And that is such a interesting concept, which is why we made it such a big bullet point, which is service, is when you pour yourself into something, it's almost like you get something back. It's like, why there's so many people, like that so many people that are so joyful about serving is because you're putting yourself into something that it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself, insecurities or other things. You're just pouring this out for Jesus, you know? And so you're investing more of yourself, more of your time, all these, you know, very valuable things. Yeah, absolutely. So Alex, key question here. How do you, how do I cultivate a passion for evangelism? Walk us through that. So one of my favorite things to do, you know, like whenever I'm like, ah, oh, man, I really don't want to go out and evangelize. I kind of, I stop. I'm like, whoa. I really got to reflect, you know, reflect on your journey with Jesus, right? Reflect on the impact that he's had. Like all those times, you know, I think about when I was a kid and I was just bawling my eyes out and God was there. Like, I mean, he comforted me. He, he's grown me into a man. Uh, my dad wasn't there for me, but God was my father. And, you know, it's weird to say, but like he was more a father to me than my father was. And, through all the times of me hitting on my wife when I was younger, I was like, you know, oh, this girl's cute. God was there for me. And he was like, bro, you got you to gotta slow down, my friend. <laughs> you know? And so really reflecting on your journey, reflecting on your life experiences. You want to take the next point? 
Yeah. So the next thing is is really key, and it's honestly possibly the hardest thing to do when it comes to evangelism and really any relationship. And I'm sure many of y'all can relate. Uh, really, if you're human, you can relate. So it's embrace empathy and compassion. And so one might ask, okay, what is... Well, a lot of people think they know what empathy is, but they really confuse it with sympathy. And it goes deeper than sympathy. It's almost tied directly to compassion. Like as in, mm-hmm. and, and every time, so Jesus, when he had compassion on the, on the crowd, so that's mentioned literally throughout the gospel here and there. Um, you can look that up on your own time. But he, it says he had compassion on so many people, really everybody you could say he was preaching to, he had compassion. And what compassion led him to do ultimately was go to the cross because what's compassion and really what's empathy is it drives a response. It evokes a response like as in action. So compassion could be compaction, which is, seems weird to kind of <laughs> mend those two, but as in you almost are have to be moved to action if you really have compassion because people who don't really do anything, that's sympathy. Like I could have sympathy, I could feel bad for somebody, like, oh, they're going through that, that's tough. And if you close your car door and just be on your way, that's, again, that's sympathy. You you feel bad, but you're not doing anything to directly impact the situation. And so you have to develop that compassion in, in you. Um, and I really think that kind of ties to reflecting on your journey, because again, like, think about the times where you've not only had to have compassion on yourself, but really give that to Jesus and let him have compassion on you and the mistakes you've made because everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's sinned and fallen short, Romans 3.23. And so, um, and also other people have hurt you and made mistakes. Um, But you've probably had some compassion somewhere along the way for those people um, and for people that are hurting or the orphans, the widows, right? And so develop that sense of empathy and compassion for others recognize that everybody has their own experiences, their life struggles, and questions and doubts about life, just like you. We're all human here. And so approach evangelism with a mindset of understanding, seeking to genuinely connect with others, and mm. you want to offer them hope and support. Because again, it's good news. It's not bad news. Right. You're not saying, yeah. oh, you're going to the ER today. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Your mom just got hit by a bus. <laughs> yes, we are in need for a savior. So maybe that's bad news I'm sure that offends a lot of people. But the fact that there is a Savior, again, that's the good news. So, so yes, sinned. We've sinned and fallen short. That's the bad news, which, honestly, you kind of got to start with in a sense. But we need a Savior. Yes. And that Savior is Jesus. That's the good news. There's nothing bad about it. Yeah, it's the, the good news that God wants you. Yeah, I love... So one thing I really love about the the empathy part of it is that that is what drives you for the action, right? But you only get that for this next part, which is you have to pray and pray and pray and then seek knowledge, right? So you, you build... That? You have to pray. <laughs> <laughs> just, just thought I'd clarify. Yeah. So the clarification is prayer. And it's because you have to build a relationship with God, right? Compassion and all these different things, like... They don't come from us. They come from the Holy Spirit. And so it's when we build that connection with God, we come with other believers and we're like, hey, you know what? Let's just pray. Let's just pray for some people. I mean, you think about how much the world would change if we were just like, you know what? Let's just spend tonight. Let's just pray for people. You know, one of the things that we did in YWAM, uh, it's called Youth with a Mission. It's one of uh, it's one of the largest outreach organizations, is that we would just sit there and we would read a passage over somebody 
you know, because God is already he's already said that he's going to do these things, right? You think about when, you know, Pentecost happened over Acts and he said that, you know, like, I will give my, you know, I'll give the old man visions. I will give, you know, like healings, all these different things. You just pray that over somebody because God already said he's going to do it. So we want to seek knowledge and we want to seek understanding because these things all build our relationship with God. So right now we're activating our body because we're acting, right? We're activating our heart because we're caring, and those two go really well with each other. But you know what goes really well together is the prayer and the seeking of knowledge. And then it kind of builds into this last point, which is engaging in meaningful conversation, right? So after you get all of these together, it almost becomes like, it becomes that natural flow, right? The water takes you off of your feet, and you're no longer walking. You're just kind of, you're along for the ride. And you actually start to notice, I'm kind of enjoying this. You know, because you're caring about the person. Like, for me and Noah, like, I could minister to Noah all day because I care about him, you know. And, like, I, I get passionate because I'm reading my word. I'm talking with Jesus. I'm reflecting on what he has done for me. Absolutely. And so that kind of leads into two. So, so prayer for guidance and inspiration, seeking knowledge and, and understanding. And I think one of the first things you got to understand, sorry, going back a little bit, is that God is good. And I, I just really had that on my mind. I think the Spirit mm-hmm. put it on my heart. But uh, some a youth leader, when I was in youth group, said that to me once upon a time, and it really made an impact. Like, they, they looked me in the eye and they said, Noah, you have to believe. And this was in the midst of a lot of turmoil going on in my home. Uh, my mother was mentally ill, still is, and that's what I grew up with. And a lot of yelling and screaming and fighting. And so, um, but my youth, one of my youth leaders looked at me and said, you have to believe that God is good. Like, mm-hmm. like that's really where the healing can start, can start. And obviously healing is a long process and it's hard, but you have to believe that God is good. And if you don't yet, and if you're struggling with it, we get it because we're human. But that's where we come, become like the Roman centurion. I think it's in March, but in Mark, <laughs> in Mark, uh, where he says, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Beautiful prayer. Like, I mean, that, that's it. If you have to pray, pray that 20 times a day, uh, every other second for, you know, the rest of your life, you know, fine. But, like, do that until you understand that God is good yeah. and he does care about you and every one of those people. You know, and that's almost something that we get lost in, you know, as we're coming up and we're trying to uh, put all these points together. But it gets lost that the whole reason it's good news is because God cares about you, you know? And I know we've been cramming on this and we've just been, you know, like going back and over, over this, but God cares about us. So the bad news is, right, is that if you don't experience God, if you don't come to God and you don't, you know, ask him for forgiveness, you're going to hell, right? And that's the bad news. Mm -hmm. And some people, they put a lot of, um, like a lot of emphasis on the bad news. I believe we definitely need to talk about the bad news. It is a part of the gospel. It is. Uh, But the emphasis has always been on the good news, which is that Jesus Christ, the God of goodness, right? So he says that he is good, right? Every single good thing that we know is from him. And so that God is asking you to join a relationship with him. He's asking you to come eat at the table, right? He's prepared you a place and he's like, 
coming with it. Amen. And kind of wrapping it up here, so putting it all together. So something, you know, we need every listener to understand is, and really us, it's, you know, spirits put it on our heart for a reason. But, you know, just because we have put this podcast episode together and we've worked hard and we evangelize and we go and preach the good news to people in the streets and people in our lives who don't know Jesus, we don't have it figured out. We don't have it fully made. We're still learning. Mm-hmm. There are some days where we don't evangelize and we actually just sit and pray and just talk and just fellowship because we're trying we're trying to figure it out and we're probably overthinking it a lot of times. But um, And then there's sometimes we just go out and walk and we don't talk to a single person just because we're praying over the city, over those people, over everybody we pass. And we're just thinking how to... What's a bit, if there's a better tactic, you know, and, and we've really been wrestling with that recently. So it, it's hard. Um, preaching the gospel is hard, even if you're passionate about it. And walking with Jesus and living for him is hard. And I feel like it gets easier, but keep in mind, the flesh pushes back the more you press in because mm-hmm. we're still in this vessel. We're still in this body. So even if you've accepted Jesus and you're running for him and you're running the race with endurance, as Paul says, the flesh is pushing back actively. And it, it will push back. And so you got to really be in the spirit and be in the word and be in prayer and be in fellowship and have accountability with those around you because that will help along your journey of, of preaching the gospel to those who need it in your workplace um, and in other places in the streets, wherever you're volunteering at. And so that's why it's, it's vital to, to speak and also do what he's told us to do. Um, and so one, one of the things may be, but Noah, Alex, I, I don't have the words. What is, what does Jesus say about that? So Jesus is always our supplier, right? And it's it's kind of the thing. So one of the things about evangelism or about talking with people in general is that you learn, right? And I'm, you should never be afraid to learn. I, so I have this saying. It's called uh, fail, for- fail forward, fail often. It's because, you know what? You know, I learned to walk. You know how I learned to walk? I learned by failing. And if anybody would have been like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you failed there. Like, you're never going to walk. Well, it's not true. I've just got to fail enough times. Mm-hmm. So I've, um, I've learned 500 ways not to walk, and I finally figured out the one way to walk. And when you fail with Jesus, guess what the best part is, ladies and gentlemen? It's that he's there because he's the parent. He's the papa. He's there to pick you back up. Well, and the great thing is, is that it was never about you, mm. right? It was never about you. And so even you're, you're stumbling as you're, you're trying to come up with these words, right? And, you know, Jesus is there to give us words, right? It says that throughout scripture. But even if he doesn't, right, and you fumble through your words, that is moving to people that you care enough to actually fumble, right? Because it is better to fail than to have not tried at all. Absolutely. And also, as we're wrapping up here, if you say, oh, but I don't have the gifting. Again, that's those two things. I don't have the words. I don't have the gifting. It's just lies from the pit of hell. And, and you got to strip those off and just ask Jesus for him to just break those chains for you. Take those thoughts captive. Absolutely. Because you do Mm -hmm. have the gifting. The Spirit's gifted you. 
Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You can look up those passages on your own time. But he's put together a list, a whole plethora of gifts that each and every one of us has. And so, and the deeper you get in the spirit, the more gifted you'll be. Like that that's mm-hmm. a promise. Um, and so I encourage you to search the scriptures for that. Search the scriptures on spiritual gifts. What are my spiritual gifts? Pray in the spirit. Take a gift assessment, whatever you got to do. Um, and don't do it alone because you're not alone. And that's another lie of the enemy is you're alone in the preaching of the gospel and in the sharing, but you're not. Yep. And we don't, we don't have to do it alone. We can do it together. But anyway, I appreciate your guys' time, and I hope that you guys found this helpful. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be some more in the future. You guys have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.